Call the dogs in because you're listening to the Fieldmaster Podcast. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode number five of the Fieldmaster Podcast brought to you by Sportsman's Pride Professional Dog Food. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I don't know how we got here. It was a long way from Alabama. Yes, it was, but glad we're here. I want to talk to you about changing up the studio. Yeah. It, to it being here. This is an upgrade. It definitely is. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to go back, but you know what? This place is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we should probably talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Where are we? We are at High Point Lodge with Brad Donald. Welcome, Brad. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming. Yeah, appreciate it. So Brad Donald is the owner of High Point Lodge in Pierre, South Dakota. And uh, this is... Uh, I should probably mention Brad is a Sportsman's Pride Elite ambassador for uh, us. And Brad, this is this place is gorgeous. It is stunning. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it. When we pulled up here, uh, you know, you called me on the phone and you said, "You see that house up on the hill over there?" And I said, "Yeah, that's a really nice place." And you're like, "Yep, that's where we're going." <laughs> <laughs> I thought I better point it out right from there. Yeah. It's a kind of a good view. You can yeah. see it from far, far away. You can, and it's it's up on the highest hill. It is. Here. Yeah. So the, right on the river. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously you guys can see this giant, beautiful uh, rock fireplace behind us. But it, what you can't see is directly behind uh, or I guess what we're looking at is we're looking at the Missouri River and we're right over. Uh, we're loca- located on the bluffs that overlook the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Brad, this place has how many beds? Thirty five beds. Thirty five beds. Queen beds and with their own bath. So there's plenty of room for the guys. It is it is truly if if you are wanting to come pheasant hunting or duck hunting, geese, whatever it may be, I mean, this is like a a sportsman's paradise. And we'll we'll make sure yeah, uh the uh, the visual people on uh, YouTube can see this yeah. place. We're going to splice in some video and stuff that, yeah, and pictures that we've seen out here cuz just looking this way I mean, you could stare for hours. I think that's what I was saying right before we started this is, you know, you could look for hours just out these windows. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. But um, not only does it have a view, I mean, Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit? It's got two full bars. Two full bars, a game room downstairs, uh, foosball, shuffleboard table, um, 15-man steam room. Yeah. So just plenty of room, yeah. you know. That it's very spacious. I mean, it's it's kind of you've got your main hall, I guess, is what you would call it, and then your rooms are on the wings on the outside, and you've got some rooms that are indoors on the interior, and then you got somewhere, you know, if you pull up late one night or something like that, you can just get enter. a private private entrance. Yeah, private yeah. entrance to them, which is really nice because you know other a lot of other places you go to, you know, they kind of have one long hallway or something, and you've got to you know walk through everyone's. Yeah, kind of living breakfast. quarters. Yeah, it's like a bed and breakfast. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, tell me about how this lodge uh, got built, because you know the, there was a previous owner and stuff like that, and you just recently um, took over for High Point Lodge. Tell me kind of the the story behind the original lodge. You know, it was built in '08, and uh, the gentleman that owned it used to go to Alaska hunting and fishing and. He just fell in love with the place in Alaska that he was at. Right. And he's just like, I'm going to build one like that. So it's in-floor heat, so 
you get up in the morning to go to the bathroom or the middle of the night and the, the floor is warm on your feet and oh i didn't even know that part yeah. it's just just <laughs> an extra nice selling style. point yeah. yeah it was it was like what nine degrees last night it was it so was nine degrees last that would night. be great yeah <laughs> it would be nice and you know I think what is really cool is there's so much wildlife around us. I mean, just in the drive up, you saw mm-hmm. geese. We saw a few pheasant. We saw deer. I mean, there is so much around us in this area. You're kind of right on uh, close to a bend of the Missouri River and stuff. And so a lot of you get a lot of wildlife stopping yeah. in and and stuff like that, which is really neat. I mean, like I said, this is truly a a sportsman's paradise if you want to kind of get away to go on a hunt and i thought you know i i thought the same thing it's just natural and it's just yep. just a good just a good layout that god gave it and mm-hmm. you know at the land that we hunt we have thousands of acres of just great pheasant habitat we have an artesian well so we have plenty of water yeah and water's a key you know especially in areas out here you know where it can just be dry so um Plenty of water for the birds. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you were kind of, we got to tour around a little bit uh, not too long ago. You know, we were looking at all the pheasant and stuff like that. And there's just so many here. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've kind of traveled around and, you know, we get to talk to different people. And we usually get to accompany them on like a hunt and stuff. And I don't know, I'm starting to think it's me, honestly. But, you know, I don't think we'd have a problem getting some pheasant today if we walked out there. Oh, no. You could probably run a few down. Yeah, <laughs> you probably could. Well, I haven't seen you guys shoot yet. Yeah, hopefully, you end up pulling a gun out. But uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm sure. Yeah, hopefully. Well, if we've got dogs, then we we will have no problem. That's true. We got dogs. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So one of the other great things about the lodge is your proximity. I mean, you are incredibly close to um, a lot of amenities, but you are far enough away where you are still surrounded by wildlife in Pierre. So um, how far did you say you were from the airport? Airport's about 11 miles, 11, 15 miles. So that's, I mean, it's a good distance, but I mean, currently, you know, if if you need to fly in somewhere, it's great that you can fly in somewhere so close and you don't have to drive so far to get here right we'll pick you up you don't need a rental car you just don't have to mess with some of that stuff yeah you got a little bus that yeah. they'll pick you up in and mm-hmm. you know you get greeted by one of the one of the people here it might even be you hey it might be yeah you so might. used to coming out to these lodges and you fly into the closest major airport and you're looking at i gotta get a car i gotta drive yep. an hour i gotta drive an hour and a half whatever it is uh but 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 having uh pier so so uh, accessible is a, a huge uh, help. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, not only that, but you're surrounded by other, you know, recreational activities. So, you know, a lot of people, when they, they go to a lodge or something, they also ask, you know, where's a golf course? Can I bring my clubs or something like that? And you're not far from a golf course either. No, about the same distance from a golf course. Again, the river's there, great fishing. Yeah. You know, just a lot of things to do. Yeah, and I mean, people who are listening to this, I kid you not, I mean, we're looking at the Missouri River, and you, so you can, you know, I don't think you probably will, you may not build a pathway down to the river or anything, but, you, could you know. You watch. Yeah, you could bird watch from here. I mean, it is, it is absolutely gorgeous. I can't stop talking about it, but, um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, we'll take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get into pheasant hunting. 
Hey everyone, I wanted to let you know that Fieldmaster Podcast is brought to you by Sportsman's Pride Professional Dog Food. If you want to experience the Sportsman's Pride difference in your dog, you can visit sportsmanspride.com and click shop now or click the link in the show notes. Use code FIELDMASTER to save 10% off your first purchase. Now back to the episode. All right, so we're back with Brad Donald, a Sportsman's Pride Elite Ambassador. So Brad, um, you are a pheasant hunter. I think it, it's in your blood. Yes, sir. Really. How long have you been pheasant hunting? You know, I started training dogs in 97. Um, so started pheasant hunting way before that. But uh, been guiding pheasants since 97, and it just kind of comes with the dogs. Yeah. So when you – what kind of made you go from uh, just a pheasant hunter to a guide? Probably losing birds or hunting with other dogs that just weren't that good. And yeah. This was like, boy, I, I, mm-hmm. the dog is such a key to it that uh, I just wanted the best dog. Yeah. Is that is that how kind of how your passion for dogs started, or how did you get it, into dogs? It did. I had a cousin that worked with some dogs that was a big duck hunter, quail hunter, pheasant hunter. And just he had all the dogs, and I just kind of started helping him, and it just kind of went from there. Yeah. So, did you have dogs growing up that were uh, also companions in your hunt, or was it more when you started uh, doing guide stuff? Probably a little bit more during guide stuff. Um, as a kid, I had dogs, but not necessarily hunting dogs. More Heinz Fifty Seven that would retrieve, but not quite mm-hmm. like I wanted yeah. them to, and then. Ended up going to college in South Dakota and uh, would go home with some buddies that had some ranches and some pheasant hunting, and it was unbelievable. And I remember one of my buddies saying, hey, don't bring your dog. And I'm like, why is that? And he's like, well, we have too many birds. You know, we have dogs ruin the hunt. And I'm like, well, he won't ruin the hunt. Just give me a shot at it. Yeah. It just kind of took over after that, you know, his dad wanted a dog and then his uncle wanted a dog and then neighbors and that's kind of how I started training dogs full time. Wow. Yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of people that we talk to, you know, they they start with just being an avid hunter and then they're like, I I, kind of want to take it to the next step or, you know, they kind of want to scratch that itch and, you know, it sounds like the same story with you you know you just kind of want to take it to the next step yeah, and then how much control over the end result can you have yeah and getting down to like well i'm going to start the dogs yeah and then i'm going to choose them and breed or you know get get the right dogs in there uh, do the training and then all the way to your owning a lodge and <laughs> and uh, hosting all, yeah. all of these uh hunts and right? you know everybody asks me they're like hey uh do you get a hunt a lot then and stuff you know, guiding does kind of affect that part because yeah, right. um, you don't get to pull the trigger, but it's still like hunting. Yeah. You know, watching your dog and, and reading your dog and the style of your dog. So in your mind, when that bird gets up, you're kind of still pulling the trigger. Yeah. You're just not. But believe me, I, I still like to go out. And, you got that bird up. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> I still yeah, yeah. like to go out and, and, and do some hunting. But you, uh you don't get to quite as much. Yeah, it's like leading a horse to water. I mean, you kind of like, you're bringing these people to the birds. It's right. on them to make sure that they actually get That's it. That's true. 
but the so like like we said we're in south dakota and the dakotas are known for their pheasant hunting is it south dakota that's the pheasant hunting capital of the world you know i believe so yeah and that's what they say you know i I know there's other states that have some good hunting but south dakota you know just doesn't have as many people and a lot of a lot of natural ground that might not be good enough to farm um so it's just great hunting. So uh, you bring up the the natural ground and stuff, and <clears throat> and you know we kind of talked about it when we were hanging out yesterday. Was you know you leave your your crops and stuff up, you don't harvest them and stuff, so that when it comes pheasant season time, they are you know able to eat and stuff and hang around. Is it really because of the geography that you know pheasant um, hang out in this area, or is it more um, this is just kind of like where the natural population has always been. And they, cause they're, they're not a migratory bird. Nope. They're not a migratory bird. They were introduced, um, to South Dakota, but again, just the lay of the land, not maybe not so much chemical being sprayed, just other things. Yeah. I think have just kept the birds cause we get some harsh winters, but, uh, plenty of tree lines for them. Yeah. And by leaving that food, like you brought up. You know, it's just they don't have to go far for food. They don't have to go far for nesting, shelter, water. All of that is a key for success mm-hmm. to have the population of birds that we have at High Point. Wow, that's awesome. Every year. And I, I know for a fact, for me at least, that South Dakota is the place for pheasant. Well, I, I drove from Alabama to south dakota i've done it twice now yeah and as soon as i get passed through nebraska and i'm about to go into uh sioux city at the very bottom corner there it's as soon as i hit that line i've twice now i've seen a pheasant fly over my car (laughs) on the highway they actually south dakota's hired that yeah they (laughs) they just put a line of pheasant right there i swear thanks for not hitting him yeah i I didn't it flew it was a rooster too yeah yeah. All right. So we kind of mentioned it at the beginning of the episode, but, you know, High Point is in a very unique place because, you know, you mentioned you have an artesian well, you've got the tree lines, you you leave the crops and stuff for the birds. But, you know, I, I can't over exaggerate when I say this. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of birds here. I mean, in your in your hunting land and have you, um, in a way, cultivated that land to bring more birds in, or is it because of the natural uh, features that are around? You know, with the water and the food and the CRP and the shelter belts, it's going to bring some birds in. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now when you say CRP, what is CRP? Um, you put them into different grass grasslands, native grasses, um, just things that the birds like. Okay, got it. So it's like a food source yes. for them. Got it. Okay. All right. And so one of the benefits of coming to High Point Lodge is you provide the dogs. We do. The guides have their own dogs. I have my own dogs. And uh, they're ready to go. Yeah, they are. We've we've kind of been following along and working with some of them while we've been here. And I may have gotten taken out by one of them uh, <laughs> trying to get a, a good shot. And they're always ready to go. Yeah, they are. And, you know, they do it for a living. The guides love their dogs. That's how they end up being a guide. 
and it just it just works hand in hand. And when the guys come up, I think sometimes they they get more out of the dogs working than even hunting sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's cool about that is like I I know so I have some family members who have gone pheasant hunting and stuff, but they had to bring their dog, and so it's like you know you kind of provide, they provide all the the ammo and everything like that, but they don't provide the dog, and it's like the dog is like seventy five percent of if not more, right. you know, the pheasant hunting experience, and so what's really nice is you know you've been a trainer for so long, you've been a guide for so long that you've got world-class dogs that will come in and you know it, it enhances your experience when you're here and we do welcome um other dogs from other hunters and mm -hmm. you know hunting without your dog sometimes it's just not the same hunt right so we're like yeah bring him along yeah. you know yeah and we do cross our fingers that he's yeah. a good one. <laughs> but most of the guys yeah. they do they have yeah. great dogs that's yeah. awesome that's awesome so one of the questions that I had for you, kind of getting into the specific specifics of pheasant hunting with a dog and um, things like that, is how do you how do you start the process of getting you know your dog trained to hunt pheasant? You know, like if if I'm training somebody else's dog, you know that seven month range is pretty good. They start getting their permanent teeth in. Hopefully the uh, the owner's done some obedience and some retrieving. But if we're talking Labradors, Labradors love to retrieve, mm -hmm. but it's it's good to enhance that and work that as a pup. So I get him in and I make sure that obedience is, is good at first. And then we go into force fetching, collar conditioning. And then once that's pretty solid, then we start using birds. And during that obedience, we make sure that that dog has been shot over and we're starting to work in the, in the gunshot. Yeah. And working in some maybe dead birds, getting some feathers in their mouth. Yeah. So just not everything's a big shock to them. Yeah. But the key is, is once you've got that foundation and got the dog holding the bird and that force fetch is there, you know, getting birds over them. Mm. And because that's what really what you're doing at the end of the day is you want that dog to be able to hunt birds. So show them some birds. Yeah. Get them over some birds. So this this kind of brings up uh, one of the videos that we put out um, not too long ago, and someone asked, and now that we're here talking with you, I'd love to hear your answer, is how do you get a dog used to, um, you know, shooting? Because that can be, you know, obviously they have a very heightened uh, sense of sound and everything like that, you know, compared to us. How do you get your a dog used to that? You know, you can start off, a lot of people have different methods, but feel free to drop a pan, slam a door once in a while, letting that dog be around some noises where he's just not startled, mm -hmm. you know? And then I go with somebody going out there pretty, just kind of like a soccer field or something yeah. real short grass where the dog's going to succeed. And hey, 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 throw a bumper. Um shoot a cap gun, you know, which would be like a 22 round. And then that dog's going to do that. And then you're going to work up to a 20 gauge mm -hmm. and then, you know, move it him back a little farther, working with a 12 gauge. And when he's relating that with retrieving or hunting with the bird, they just, they, most of the time, 
it goes successfully. So I would imagine that the gunshot would become an exciting thing because then they're about to go get a bird. Yep. And I, I feel like if the dog is seeing somebody raise their hand and shooting a cap gun, Mm -hmm. it's not as startling as you, them working 10 yards in front of you and hearing this blast right behind their head and being like, wow, what was that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so you do work into that. That's, that's a good subject to cover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what I learned today is uh, I can drop a pan on my kitchen floor and just be like, sorry, I'm just trying to train. Exactly. Just, that's it. And uh, my wife's going to be like, what are you talking about? Was honey, Oreo's going to be a pheasant dog. Yeah. I'm just a good gun dog. Maybe use yeah. a steel pan, not a glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back home and be like, hey, Gina, I'm going to train Oreo to be a pheasant. Stop dog. slamming the door. <laughs> just going to slam the door everywhere and just drop pans. But that's a good point. I mean, because, you know, like my dog, for example, if I did that right now, she would run to the next room and, you know, it, that was an interesting comment that I just thought of, you know, while we were sitting here with you. So th- thanks for that. Um, so one of the other kind of key points we've talked about, and we're going to release some other videos, some some pro tips from Brad. But one of them is uh, teaching your dog to flush out a bird, because that is probably, I don't know if you would agree, but in, from what I've seen, that is one of like the key points when it comes to a pheasant hunt. Well, is getting that dog that's up in the, the most, air. It, from my, I've I've only been pheasant hunting a couple of times, but that's the that's the most entertaining and just fulfilling thing to to watch these dogs work. In and the I field. just had a guy say it, and I've been around it so much, I kind of forgot guys. But you know the sound of the flush, yeah, and the dog shooting in and the bird blasting up, and the in in the sound of that. Um, I just kind of forgot about it because I, I see it every day, but right. it is kind of interesting on how other people ask that yeah. about the flush where that dog, you know, he smells him and uh, he gets to know what that bird is and he'll go in there and he wants, you know, of course he wants to catch the bird, but uh, that's when that bird busts out of that cover and it all it all comes after that yeah it's it's really a beautiful sight to see um and that's where you get like so many iconic pictures that like people will have paintings of on their wall and stuff like that because it's it's really a yeah. very a super cool unique experience and, the, and you're trying to set up the dogs for success right like as far as the downwind type like, thing mm-hmm. yeah working them into the wind right. um but back to the training of it you know when i'm throwing birds or throwing have wings wrapped around a dummy you know just constantly letting that dog know that's what he wants that's what he's supposed to get and then you go into the bird yeah so is there a certain um way because you know like you said those pheasants are undercover and they're you know trying to hide and everything do you go out kind of like beforehand and you will plant one and try to have them find it that way or is it more just like a with a bumper or a dummy or something you're just throwing it in the air and we or I both. start I start with a bumper, then with wings, and then maybe a dead bird, and then I might hobble a bird so the dog can see that and have him on leash so he really wants to go get it. So the bird will take off running and then start to fly. So he sees everything. So when he goes into that bird and he can't see it, but he can smell it, it can startle a dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, You've got the bird coming up, which right. is making the noise, and then you got me shooting the bird behind the dog, 
but it, when you put it all together, it's kind of like that firecracker that that uh, that wick went a little faster than you thought. Yeah. It's kind of like that. So, you you know, that's why you just take everything step by step and kind of go slow. Yeah. Yeah. Really, like, yeah, it sounds like kind of any dog training, like you, you progressively get there even with a, with a sit or a stay or <laughs> anything like that. And it's amazing to see it progress into something so elite. Yeah, and that's one of the other questions that I had for you as well is, you know, there's, there is a huge safety aspect when it comes to pheasant hunting because you have the dogs flushing. You also have who knows how many other, you know, shooters out there with you. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're not hitting anyone or, you know, there's, there's obviously a ton of safety involved. What is the proper distance that, you know, your dog should be away from you when it is flushing out? Do you want to be kind of like right up next to them or do you want to have, you know, a little bit of distance between them? You know, that's tough because it's going to change every time. You're going to step on a bird sometimes you know if the weather's right or if you got a little snow on the ground and those birds are holding tight i've you know i've stepped on them i've had dogs get them up right behind me mm. and then you turn around and again where's your gun at you know right. that's why that barrel needs to be in the air like you yeah. said but a distance if a bird gets up close you're fine as long as he's high enough like we always talk that blue sky you know mm -hmm. making yeah. sure that you can see a foot of blue sky it's all it's all depends on how it happens conditions yeah. and and things like that got it all right so one of the other things that uh, you know we we wanted to chat with you about is recovery so pheasant hunting i mean those dogs are working they're working birds left and right i mean like we said you you get hundreds of birds here so they they are constantly going and Recovery is such a big part that I don't think that people understand. Can you kind of talk to us about how you, you know, let your dogs recover? What does their recovery look like after a long hunt? You bet. So we have some preserved ground and we got some just private ground. So we can start hunting September 1st and go all the way to March 31st. So in the Dakotas, it can be snowing one day and, and, Two hours later, the sun's shining and it's getting sixty degrees. So, the temperature is sounds big. like sounds like today. Yeah, yeah. We drove here; it was eight degrees, and now the sun's shining yeah, and no, it's gorgeous outside. Already, yeah. but yeah. yeah, you know, in the train, the train's not too tough, you know, or nothing like that. But working your dog, rotating other dogs in, um, but plenty of water again and plenty of rest. But it all starts with a good food. And I and I sure like Sportsman's Pride. <laughs> we but, appreciate uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it all kind of starts with a good food. I mean, yeah. look at our bodies, too. You oh, know? yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, mine's <laughs> telling me I'm getting plenty of good food here lately. Well, yeah. you guys told me that camera puts 40 pounds on a guy, so yeah, that's that's why I'm like... Yeah, that's that's right. That Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we can take it off, too. Okay, good. We'll, we'll good. take it off, yeah. All right, so if someone came to High Point Lodge, what can they expect out of, you know, let's say, a, a, I think you said you do three-day packages or, you know, really you can stay however long you'd like. Uh, but kind of tell us what people would expect from High Point Lodge. You know, we'll set up any package that they want, but let's just go with uh, three-night, three-day. You know, they get here that evening. Um, we'll have some appetizers then go into the, the main meals, usually about 7 o'clock. 
and uh, if it's steak or pork chops or ribs or brisket, whatever we, the girls might have, we have great cooks and uh, great help. And uh, then after the meal, um, hit the rack. Breakfast will be at, let's see, breakfast is at 8. We start, we head out to the field at 9, have soup and sandwich for lunch, get back in in the afternoon and start over again with some appetizers <laughs> and, and uh, meet at the bar and then go into supper. So it, it might sound like you're eating a lot, but uh, you put on a few miles out there hunting too, and I like to eat. Yeah. Well, you might want to eat a lot with how good the food is. I mean, it's it's impressive. Yeah, we've been privy to some of the meals, and they've been incredible. I mean, I mean, so good that you've, you have uh, people asking for it outside of this. Yeah, thanks. We do do some catering. Mm -hmm. um, we like to smoke different meats for people. So, again, that kind of goes in hand in well, hand. Well, for with someone, you're, you're building smokers. You're, you're smoking yeah. meat. You're, I mean, all the, you're, you're doing it all. Yeah, <laughs> you and I were kind of geeking out about that, the, yeah. you know, I think it was last night or two nights ago, talking about smokers because yeah. I, I have just a little, you know, small smoker and it is a pain to to run because it's just charcoal and wood but you know you've got these giant ones that you've built yourself out of old propane tanks and you know with the with some of the groups you know we'll we'll take a group of one and we'll take a group of 30 mm -hmm. so uh you know you throw 30 racks of ribs on you, you need a little space <laughs> yeah <laughs> shoot yeah and, and you guys have a full-size commercial kitchen too so you know i'd I would imagine even if a group wanted to come in and, and host a little party or something, you know, you could accommodate that. As yes, well. sir. Yeah, that's great. All right. So we've been talking kind of, you know, a lot about uh, pheasant hunting and, and things like that. What are what is your let's say your your favorite pheasant hunting story that you've got? Boy, I've got a lot of them, but I guess if I think about it now. I kind of like to see that dad and son or dad and daughter or grandpa, mm -hmm. dad and son for doing it 20 some years. You know, now I'm seeing grandpa, dad and son or daughter. It's just kind of neat to see how it can be such a family deal. Yeah. yeah. And we have spouses comes that might not hunt that just come and stay. And it's just neat getting to know different families and how you just get attached to people and you just really get to know them and we get hunters from all over yeah. and uh i get to go see them once in a while too that's true that's it's so true that that hunting is such a generational sport and with yeah. the pheasant hunting you know it's not like you're sitting in a stand by yourself mm -hmm. or it's not like you got to be quiet um you know they're out there in a group like i said from one or to 20 you know and everybody's making fun of each other for missing something <laughs> yeah. or you know just anything yeah, so seeing a bird run down the, the line camaraderie of it yeah you know, is, is fun that way yeah it's very relaxed it's very uh different from like a deer hunting like you said where you have to you got to go out to your stand like two hours early and try not to have right. your teeth be rattling the whole time so you don't scare away a deer yeah, you know, one of the things talking about like that that generational, you know, families coming out to do it is, you know, I told my grandfather that I was coming up here and 
uh, he he had some choice words for me because he's never he's never been pheasant hunting and so uh, I'll have to I'll have to book a trip for us and we'll come up and and spend you know a few days here and well and, I look forward to meeting him uh, yeah he 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 can be a handful he'll yeah. keep you on your toes that's for sure well we'll put him in the thick stuff yeah there you go <laughs> slow him down a little bit yeah. I don't know there's no slowing him down I know that for sure and, and back to that you know we get I'm not saying a certain age but we had an 84 year old wow general sitting on a on a bucket blocking just because of his legs or his knees weren't working right yeah he we set him on a bucket at the end of the field and boom he's dropping 11 birds and the other guys are like <laughs> i want to block now and i'm like you're not old enough to, uh, <laughs> you're not old so. enough to block. that's reserved the bucket's yeah. reserved for yeah. a certain age you you earn the bucket as you i like that as you get up that's really nice yeah, <laughs> yeah we had a uh, drew abel um good friend of mine on the podcast too and he was telling us he, when he was on, he had just taken his son. Was it uh, deer hunting or was it? Yeah, I think it was deer. I, I think it was deer hunting mm-hmm. for the first time. And uh, he didn't get anything, but his son shot for the first time. And you can just see, you know, him lighten up and sure. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. That's something that I, I really admire about hunting is it's something that, you know, is generational. You can do it with your kids. You can do it with grandkids. And, you know, that's that's really neat. So, yes, it is. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, family and things like that. And um, how did you, you know, was it your dad or your grandfather or something that got you started hunting? Yeah, I remember hunting rabbits with my grandpa. And then my dad was kind of a bird, a wing shooter. Hmm. So we had some quail and partridge and we got doing that. And again, we didn't have a dog. I was kind of the dog. But I got doing that and... You said you were kind he of was, the dog. He was the dog. He, he was, was dog. the dog. Kind of the bird. <laughs> Grandpa was on the bucket. <laughs> go get that. Bird. Yeah, you go get the bird. Yeah. I can imagine. So just kind of got hunting that way and uh, got my kids into hunting. Um, it seemed like if I had a, a gun in my kid's hand, maybe the video game wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, just spent some good good time outdoors. Yeah. And again, then dogs came into effect in his life and her life, and then it was just funner yeah. than uh, with having a dog. Yeah, so absolutely. They still hunt, and hopefully someday I'll have some grandkids that do too. Yeah. yeah. So you, your kids are off. Your daughter just finished school, and yep. she's a nurse, and your uh, son is still in school playing football. So do do they get to come back home often to hunt? They do, you know, uh, just again, Brooks just, just done with college and into her first career for a year. So it's busy nursing and yeah. Bo with football. It's been tough getting home, but uh, he does break off to get home, even if it's just for a half a day. Um, and it's a two and a half hour drive, just that want to mm-hmm. get with his dog and do some hunting. So, yeah. Well, if I knew I was coming home and hunting here, I would be home <laughs> I would about be every home. weekend. Yeah, yeah, I would be home all the time. All of my friends would come with me because yeah. I'm coming back here. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, when you were, you know, kind of growing up and your grandfather was, you said rabbit hunting? Mostly rabbit hunting, he did. So do you do any rabbit hunting at all now? You know, I don't because I'm always 
getting on the dogs for chasing rabbits in the trees yeah. and i'm always yelling don't shoot on the ground guys yeah mm -hmm. so i've gotten to be like i ignore the rabbits so much because it can get me breaking the rules yeah it yeah it could yeah yeah but uh not that i would be opposed of yeah of rabbit hunting with some yeah. good beagles you know i wonder mm -hmm. if that's like a a generation away from us like i know uh my grandfather also hunted rabbits mm -hmm. and you know i I don't hunt rabbits at all. And I wonder if that kind of has gone away a little bit, but you know, we've got people in um, the Carolinas and stuff who own beagles and things like that. They, I bet they still do some yep, rabbit hunting. Cause that's what, that's what beagles were bred to do really yeah. is. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so, you know, one of the things you kind of, we were talking about a little bit before and um, you know, your son has a, a big interest in, in the, guide and you know he loves working with his dogs and so do you think that you know one day he might you know continue to to take on more of a guide role i hope so mm -hmm. i've i've kind of worked him sometimes maybe a little too hard <laughs> i hope he's not scared that he can't come home but yeah mom cooks for him pretty good too so he i think he's missing some of them <laughs> meals but that helps um yeah well he's <laughs> the he's the youngest and so you know yeah you know I, I, I hope he does come back, and uh, I foresee it, but uh, yeah. that's cool. he's smarter than I am, too, so <laughs> yeah. who knows what he'll end up doing. I think yeah. that's what you hope for your kids. I've got one on the way, and I hope that she's smarter than I am because there's, there's yeah. days I wonder how I made it. I think just as long as they're, they're doing what they love and they get some time outdoors, yeah. then they're, they're good. You're Absolutely. Exactly right. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Exactly right. Yep, 100%. So um, – one of the kind of the final questions that I, I had for you is, you know, we we talked about it a little bit over dinner. I think it was last night, but um, there's so many different dog breeds that you can have for pheasant hunting. And, you know, you obviously being in South Dakota are partial to labs and uh, you've got some of the biggest labs I have ever seen in my life. I mean, their paw is like the size of my hand. Um, but can you talk to us about how kind of the different region that you're in, what dog you may or may not want to have? You know, there's a lot of great breeds out there. Um, I Again, I did pick the lab just because of getting the retrieve down. Mm -hmm. We're fortunate to have quite a few birds, so sometimes the dog doesn't have to maybe search as far but we get guys that bring springers that work tremendously hard and are just great at it and, and to the droth hard to the pointers so it is nice we have a lot of different train where we have the grass and we have the standing corn but we have shorter milo we hunt some millet and some spring wheat fields and so if you come to High Point and you bring your dog, we have different train for a lot of different breeds of dogs. Yeah, that 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 does make the hunt even uh, more exciting. You know, stepping into a completely different field you know, on each run. Yeah, it doesn't look the same. Mm -hmm. it, every every field can be unique, or yeah. you can have multiple different types in one you know section. That's it's really neat. And back to like how you were saying, which which dog should you run or something i got dogs that are smaller and do better in the heat mm -hmm. and then i but i've got bigger sized dogs that do good in the heat too so just again being able to read your dog and uh 
know which, which one's best for which day you're hunting. Yeah, it's it's really important to get to know your dog, get to know how they work. And, you know, like we talked about um, earlier, you know, that dog's body language is incredibly important and understanding its mannerisms when you're out in the field. And, you know, that that's really important. Yeah. But back to that, like the big, you know, biggest dog I've ever seen. I don't know. I don't know if you can work. It, it didn't sound too bad. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like the big labs. Yeah. They think they're lazy. I don't know why. They think yeah. they're lazy. They oh. think that, that they can't cover ground. If it couldn't, I wouldn't have them. But a lot yeah. of people will tell me at my kennel, they'll be like, you got the smallest labs I've ever seen. And I'm like, did you ever see a fat man you run track? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I want dogs to get out there and work harder so I don't have to. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't think it hurt you. Yeah, no, I don't think so. We, we, you know, we don't have a lot of people who, um, are partial to breeds really. Uh, they're kind of like what you were describing. They are more focused on the dog working right. and things like that. I tried to cover that. I mean, I definitely yeah. like labs the best out of all that I said yeah. for where I live, but it's yeah. complete. It's completely fine to be partial. I mean, we've got, I'd, in, in like the duck world, yes. retrievers, I'd, right fine to be even like black retrievers it's just like i just want black retrievers right yeah there's so many people that just want different i mean with people i mean with the society today i mean they just want different yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean nothing wrong with tattoos but look how they've came from from when i was in school you know nobody had one unless you were in the service to now, you know, you just a lot, you know, yeah. but like dogs, you got silver labs, you've got labradoodles, you've got, you got I mean, trends. they're bringing out yeah. shit yeah. that, wow. Yeah. It's like, how yeah. different do we really, how different do we really need to be? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brad. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us on the Field Master podcast. We've greatly enjoyed the view and, you know, setting up here, it's very different from our setup back home. And, like I said, uh, you know, we'll set up here, you know, every month, and we can just hang out here for a while. How does that sound? Hey, there's there's a few beds, great. right? There, <laughs> there's at least enough beds for us. I want to say thank you guys. Yeah. Um, just the work that you've put in it. We've had other other people do this, and, mm-hmm. boy, they didn't put the work and effort that I, I see in you guys. And it all comes back to the dog food and sportsman's pride. That's what brought us all together. And yes. And uh, couldn't be more happier about the dog food, so I appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot for and we, that. And we that love your dogs. You're yeah, we fantastic. do. Fantastic. We do. The way you treat them and, and uh, what you brought them up to do. Yeah. It's fantastic. Even yeah. though Hick took me out yesterday, I'm still <laughs> still love Hick. We were just trying to show yeah, you what kind of strength the dog yeah. food gives you. Oh, they got some power. <laughs> I mean, that's that's for sure. Well, you smelled like a dog biscuit. Well. <laughs> <You did. laughs> I think we were shooting some stuff earlier, so I probably still had one in my pocket. He was go. just coming to get but it. Keep doing what you're doing, guys, and I hope you you can see that you surely love your jobs because you do a good job at it. Well, thanks, Brad. We appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Fieldmaster podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at sportsman's underscore pride. And if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, be sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast app like Apple or Spotify. 
And if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, be sure to check out our YouTube page where you can see this beautiful view of uh, High Point Lodge. Make sure to leave a thumbs up and like and review the podcast. And also be sure to check out Brad at High Point Lodge or highpointlabradors.com to come book a stay. Come shoot some pheasant out here in South Dakota. Check us out. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys.